go spook the Jets again down in Jacksonville Sunday as Sam Darnold threw three picks to drop gangrene to two and six. We talk Jets on the trade block before the deadline and break down the latest loss with Jets radio voice Bob Wischusen. I'll also chat with former longtime Jets special teams coach Mike Westoff. We ain't afraid of no ghost. Next on the New York Post Gangs All Here podcast. You play to win the game. Welcome to the Gangs All Here podcast, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Brian Costello, the Jets beat writer for the Post. We'll be bringing you new episodes twice a week, on Mondays reacting to Sunday's game and on Thursdays previewing Sunday's game ahead. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be joined every week by current and former Jets players, along with media members and Jets celebrity fans as we bring you the best New York Jets content out there. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Coz. Let's get the ball rolling. All right, the Jets lose again. Another loss here for us to talk about. This one to the Jaguars, 29-15 to on Sunday. The Jets are now 1-6 on the season. Uh, feels like there's there's not really much hope for, for this season, obviously. You know, it was another loss where it felt like everything went wrong for the Jets. Uh, that being said, they were a touchdown down the fourth quarter. It felt like maybe they could make it a game late. But Sam Darnold threw a, another interception. He's thrown through three interceptions in the game, seven in the last two weeks. I think you're right to be concerned about Sam Darnold right now. He doesn't look right. Uh, he's turning the ball over. He's obviously under siege behind this offensive line. The offensive, I don't know what they can do to fix this offensive line right now. They allowed another eight sacks on Sunday. They've given up 34 this season, which is just an incredible number. Sam was hit 13 times. Uh, you can tell he's getting skittish in the pocket getting hit this much on defense. Uh, they allowed uh, plays of 66 yards and 70 yards, something they haven't really done much this season, allowing those big chunk plays. But it happened there. Was receivers were running wide open everywhere. Uh, it was just a total mess for the Jets. Uh, and, you know, I, I know there's a lot of concern about Adam Gase, a lot of questions about Adam Gase, and I think you're, you're right to be asking those. I, I kind of – a few weeks ago was saying, give him time, give him time because uh, he was playing with Luke Falk at quarterback, but obviously now he has Darnold back and it's not getting better. So I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't think you can fire Adam Gase after one season. I know people want to want to do that. Fans are saying that right now. I don't think that's the answer, but I do think you're right to be concerned about Gase and uh, you know, his coaching ability right now. He's, he's not making great in-game adjustments. He's not figuring out answers to the problems that the jets have. Uh, which is obviously a big concern uh, for this team going forward. And, you know, this, now they play the Dolphins in Miami next week, uh, a winless team. That, that's, that's like a must win for this team. <laughs> if they lose that game, then everyone's going to go crazy. Um, but the Jets have a lot of problems right now, and uh, I'm not sure what the answers are. Uh, and I don't know if the Jets know what the answers are, but they've got to get this figured out. It's It's just – you're an NFL team. You got to start looking like one. So, uh, you know, at one at one and six now, uh, I don't know where the season goes, but the trade deadline is Tuesday at four o'clock. Uh, obviously, one and six, th- this becomes about 2020 now. Now, Joe has to look ahead and see what he can get for the assets the Jets have, see if he can get more draft picks. I think the two big names you're looking at with the trade deadline are Leonard Williams and Robbie Anderson. And I'll take those one by one. I think they will trade Leonard Williams. That's the sense I'm getting. Uh, I was I told by a source that they have 
an offer on the table already for multiple draft picks. They're just trying to see if they can get something better by Tuesday. So I think Leonard will be gone. Uh, I think, you know, they, they'll be able to get, get a couple picks. They, they have six draft picks right now in 2020. They have more than six holes on this team and you can't fix, you know, six and seven round picks are not going to fix these holes. So they've got to try to get some third round picks some fourth round picks. I don't think they can get a second round pick, but if they could do that, that would be obviously uh, amazing for them because you can get a really good player there. They Joe Douglas has to start adding picks though. Uh, and Leonard will bring back some picks. Robbie Anderson is a little bit of a different situation. I think, I think the, the jets there, the way they feel is if we got overwhelmed by a, a, a offer for Robbie Anderson. And I think that is like a second round pick for Robbie Anderson. They would do it. I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed. Robbie, um, hasn't shown he's a complete receiver yet. He's a great deep threat, but does he do other things? He's never had a thousand yard season. He's had trouble off the field. So if you're a team looking at Robbie Anderson and potentially trading for him, what are you going to offer for, for Robbie Anderson? I don't think you're going to give them much more than a fifth round pick for Robbie. He's also going to be a free agent in March. So you're gonna have to sign him. So the jets that I don't think the jets give up on Robbie Anderson. They, they give him away for a fifth round pick because he's, he's one of their only, weapons on all now and you got to play nine more games i just don't think that is worth it for them to send to ship him out so to me i think Leonard williams will will probably be traded by the by the four o'clock deadline on tuesday i think robbie will still be here and we'll see if there's any surprises maybe there's another surprise trade from them but um right now i'm sure sure that's all they're working on and they got they, you know they got to see what they can get and start building for 2020 all right that's enough from me now let's get to our guests now I want to welcome in Bob Wischusen, the Jets radio play-by-play voice on ESPN Radio. He also does college football for ESPN, college basketball for ESPN. He's a man of many talents. And uh, Bob, thank you for joining us. Uh, going over the Jaguars game, another loss. The biggest question I'm getting this morning from Jets fans is about Adam Gase. Uh, you know, what did you think yesterday about Adam Gase's coaching decisions? And do you think he was out coached yesterday by Doug Marone? Well, let, let me first say that in terms of like a broadcaster's in to start the interview there, not enough O's and smooth. I mean, that's like there's a different level of skill there than I realized you had. That was good. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, I guess to get to the matter at hand, um, you know, there's never all one reason why a game looks like that. Um, and people, I think, want to look for one person to put 100% of the blame on. And it's, that's, I mean, obviously Adam Gase takes a, a good share of the blame. He's the play caller. He's the head coach. Um, two weeks in a row now, they have looked completely unprepared for a team that you know is going to send a ton of blitzes at them because until you prove you've got it fixed, it's a copycat league. Why wouldn't you keep doing it? If you're Jacksonville, you watch the tape from Monday night, you're, you're obviously in your game plan going to have a, a you know, lion's share of blitzes because until the Jets show that they've got it fixed, why wouldn't we expose it? And there are a lot of things that you can call. You know, there are, there are blitz feeders, there are picks, there are rubs, there are quick slants, there are screens, and not nearly enough of that seems to be a part of what the Jets are prepared to do. But to me, the overarching issue is pass protection. And no play caller is going to continually beat you with tricks 
to get around the fact that you can't protect the quarterback. So, you know, until they get that fixed, if it ever gets fixed this season, you know, and, and Sam Darnold Monday night against the Patriots made a lot of terrible decisions. Yesterday he made some bad decisions, but he is under constant harassment. I mean, how many, how many snaps, how many dropbacks does he have a truly well-formed protection pocket to throw from to allow 15 and 20-yard down-the-field route trees to form? Like, never. And so that, to me, is, is the biggest problem. You can kill a play caller for not having answers to sometimes counter the fact that that's what a team's going to do to them, but they're going to keep doing it until you've got to show you've got it fixed. And from a protection standpoint, um, you know, you, until they get that fixed, you just, I, I don't know what play caller is supposed to constantly come up with answers for his quarterback always being under duress. At some point, you have a right to ask the guys that are out there to do the job of protecting the quarterback. Guys, you have to do your job, or I can't call what this quarterback needs me to be able to call so that we can move the ball down the field. Yeah, I agree with you totally, uh, 100%. I mean, they're, they're just not doing anything right now, so to blame one aspect of this is silly. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I was getting all day on Twitter yesterday. Wow, they run a screen, throw a screen, throw it. Like, yeah, okay, that might work once, <laughs> but that's not going to solve the issue here. Uh, you know, the, the issue is this offensive line. I, like, I get on Twitter, like, how about a flea flicker? You know, like, yes. <laughs> a, yeah. a flea flicker. Like, what, what defense is going to be scared of the jet run game right now if they can't move people? Flea flickers work when you're scared of a team's run game. But, yeah, people are looking for the play caller to somehow wave a wand over a problem and come up with a magic solution from a play calling standpoint. So, I've, I mean, calling CSPN games for, you know, 15 or more years um, and sitting in film rooms over and over again with every aspect of guy from football. I've worked with quarterbacks. I've worked with defensive coordinators, you know, safeties, coaches, offensive linemen, linebackers. I mean, you name it. Every box pretty much has been checked in terms of guys I've watched tape with. And the unbelievable consistency I've seen with all of these guys when they watch tape, all of them, they turn the tape on no matter what their background is, and the first thing their eyes go to is the offensive line. And they'll sit there and say, okay, let's start up front with these five guys. The left tackle's got great feet. The center's quick. The right guard is a waist bender. This right tackle can't play, blah, blah, blah. And they go down the line, and they say, basically, can Team A block Team B? And that's the jumping off. And then we get to, well, how good is the quarterback? Can these wide receivers separate? Are these cover corners? You know, whatever the other matchups are. But the jumping off point is always, can Team A block Team B? And if they can't, well, then you know the next day you're going to have a big problem in that game. And right now, unfortunately, I mean, no matter how much we pay attention to, you know, fantasy stats and, you know, what the quarterback throws for, the wide receivers, PPR, all of that, this is still a line of scrimmage sport. Can you block them? Can they block you? And right now, unfortunately, and this applies to the Jet defense as well, the Jet defense is blockable. And right now, they can't block the other team. So if you can't block them and they can block you, then the jumping off point for everything the play callers are responsible for is really hard. I mean, now Greg Williams has to bring the house in order to get pressure on a quarterback because none of his front four guys are doing it on their own. 
Now Adam Gaze has to come up with kind of a, a mixed bag of tricks from a play-calling standpoint because he can't just execute his offense because they can't block it up for the quarterback. And all of that added in makes it really hard, I think, from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, and the the scary part here, and you touched on it at, at one point with the offensive line, is I don't know how they fix this in, in this this season. Obviously, this is going to be the story of the offseason for the Jets is going to be what Joe Douglas does to fix this offensive line. I can, You can feel that already, but that doesn't help. They've got nine games left. Like, I, I just don't know what they do here uh, to get this fixed. I think Beecham will help a little bit when he comes back, but he wasn't playing great when he was in there. So, you know, I'm just a little bit puzzled as to what they can do going forward here to, to make it a, a sustainable, you know, line uh, uh, for the next nine games. Yeah, the, the only answer really, I think, is just, I mean, more max protection. Um, you know, I mean, you're, you're probably going to have to go with some six and seven man protections and ask your wide receivers to go win. And that also is not a bargain. You know, like if I'm watching the Giants game back this morning and I'm watching those two touchdown catches that Darius Slayton made yesterday for, you know, for Daniel Jones, and, like, the Jets don't have a wide receiver right now that makes plays like that. Like, Robbie Anderson is he's, – he's a good player for what he can do. But one of those picks that Sam Darnold threw yesterday, like, sometimes you got to ask your wide receiver to just physically go beat a guy for a ball you're trusting – you're going to put out there for him and let him go make a play. Now, Brock Ewart, who I worked with a, a long time at ESPN, played as Peyton Manning's backup for the Colts. Tom Moore was the offensive coordinator, um, you know, with Peyton. And between Peyton and Tom Moore, they kind of had a saying for their wide receivers. And when you're saying this to Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark, it's a pretty good thing to be able to say. But they always said, it's my job as a play caller to get you a one-on-one. Your job is to win it. I can't do anything more for you as a play by as a play uh, play caller than to get you a one on one. That's it. Like you're no, you're never going to be uncovered. So the best I can do for you is get you a matchup. Now you've got to go win it. And what receiver right now do the Jets have that is that guy that when Sam Darnold stands back there and goes, "All right, I'm just throwing this guy open," that he's going to go win it. And if you are dialing up six- and seven-man protections, you're putting those guys even more in a situation where you need them to go win. So, like, this is the bind. I mean, the only answer I could think of and try and come up with maybe, you know, a few more uh, creative ways to get Le'Veon the ball in space. But outside of that, you just need all these guys to play better. I mean, that's really that, that really is the answer. And obviously the schedule should help them because there are teams coming up where they should be able to just by nature of the opponent look better against. But, uh, but yeah, no, this, this is a bind. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon only touched it 12 times yesterday. That was If you're going to criticize Gase off that game, I thought that was a fair criticism. He's got to get Le'Veon involved somehow uh, in the passing game. The, the rushing lanes aren't there, but I know. But, you know, try something to, to get him going a little bit more. Uh, they kind of seem to forget about him at points yesterday. But I wanted to get one more with you, Bob. Um about Sam Darnold right now, obviously seven interceptions in two weeks. He doesn't look like himself, and I think it's because of that offensive line like we've talked about. He just His timing looks off to me. The mental clock isn't going off of when he should get rid of the ball. Uh, he's, you know, he's running for his life. Do you worry at all about this having any effect on him? You know, We've seen this with quarterbacks in the past. 
He's been they, the Jets are giving up sacks left and right. Eight sacks yesterday. He's getting hit so much. Do you, do you worry about this having any long term effects on him? This type of pressure. I, I guess a little bit, but I would say of the issues that they've got, I would put him way down the list. I mean, I just have you know, and and this part of it is being around them, talking to them talking to everybody that's ever coached him, talking to everybody that's always around him. Um, I just have kind of a, a faith that they've got the right kid because he's just, I think he's everything that you'd want the face of your organization to be. I mean, you want to talk about a kid that's never, ever going to say the things we're saying. He's never going to criticize his offensive line. He's never going to criticize his receivers. All he's going to do is take the blame. And um, I think he's got and has already shown when given pass protection, the ability to be a top flight quarterback. I just, you know, to me, he's, he's the real deal. And um, I think he's the least of their problems. And I think they are, and we, you know, you talked, touched on it earlier with Joe Douglas, you know, what he's going to do in the off season. I mean, I think you can write your article now. I think I could go on a talk show right now and say, this is what you will see. You will see the Jets use high draft capital and a priority in free agency is going to be on building a wall in front of this guy. Because I absolutely believe they have an unabiding faith that they have the right quarterback. I think they, they just need to make sure that they put him in a position where he can do what he can do. All right, Bob. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know you had a late, late flight last night with the jets coming home from Jacksonville. I appreciate it. Uh, we, we'll see you in Miami. For everybody out there, follow Bob on Twitter. He's a voice of reason on Twitter, at EPN Bob. And listen to him doing the games. Listen to him on college football. And college basketball will be here soon enough, and you can hear Bob doing that too. He's, like I said, a man with many jobs and many talents. Thanks, Bob. You are a broadcasting, like, phenom all of a sudden. I'm, I'm very, <laughs> very impressed. We're joined now by Mike Westoff, the longtime Jets special teams coach. He was with the Jets from 2001 to 2012. He had a long-time career in the NFL as a special teams coach, uh, very distinguished, was recently awarded the Dr. Z Award by the Pro Football Writers Association of America for his uh, service as an assistant coach, uh, one of the greats. Uh, Mike, really happy that you could join us. I re really appreciate it. Um, you know, the Jets coming off a 29-15 loss to the Jaguars are 1-6. There's not much hope here right now for the Jets. What what are you seeing from Adam Gase specifically, Mike, as a coach? And, uh, you know, how do, they, how do the Jets get this thing righted? That's an interesting question. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't, you know, I, I've never – I don't know him as well as I, I do some other coaches. I, I watched him when he was at Miami, and I got a pretty good feel for his background. I was disappointed, to be honest, uh, to be just very frank about it, last week when they played the New England uh, when they played the New England Patriots. As an offensive coach, uh, you cannot strategically and X and O wise let that happen the way that that took place. Now I know the quarterback made some mistakes and the, the line made some some errors, and it, you know, they they had a very serious uh, protection problems. But you got beat X and O wise. I don't care what anyone says. You can't let that happen. They're bringing, they've got seven guys in a box and you're going to use six blockers. You cannot do it that way. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's just not correct. And you as a coach have got it. If, if that happened to me in something that I was doing, to be honest with you, I'd be humiliated. 
I would have been humiliated because that's just was ridiculous. You can't block it that way. You can blame the, court, the, the, the quarterback all you want, but you weren't giving him a chance. When they've got that look up there, you have to slide your protection one way or another completely, including the back, and the guy that you let go because they're bringing one more rusher than you have blockers has to be from a determined, you determine it, end. And then that side is where you adjust your routes and you're able to throw the ball. So, so that was very disappointing to me. And for him being an offensive coach and an offensive coordinator, actually, and calling the plays, uh, aside from his head coaching rules uh, roles, that was very disappointing. So to be honest, there's some things that I, that I have to see uh, more of before I'm going to get on the bandwagon. Now, I like some of the things that he's done. I think they've made some solid personnel moves. I think defensively they're better. I'm actually kind of a fan of Greg Williams. Now, he might not be for everybody, but I think he's a good, a good football coach. I know when I was at the Saints last year and he was at Cleveland, they defensively, strategically played us better than any other team in the National Football League. He, did, he, he really did a good job. So, you know, I see some positive things, but at the same time, there's some other areas that uh, I think have to show big, big, big improvement. That being said, Mike, you know, clearly I don't think anyone can be sold on Gase at this point, but Jets fans right now, and this is kind of the way, I don't know, I don't know if it's always been like this. It feels like to me it's getting louder and louder with the years. They're screaming fire Gase right now, fire Gase. And I think that's, I think that's short-sighted. I don't think they can blow this up after one year. Uh, I think it'll damage Sam Darnold. They have to learn another system. Uh, I just think the Jets need some continuity here. Uh, they haven't had that recently with the, the GM changing, the coaching changes. You know, as a coach, what's your feeling about, you know, t- the time it takes to get your program established and get what you want going uh, with a team when, when you join a team? I completely agree with you. I think you're on. The, I think you're right. I think it would be a mistake to do that. What you want to do so many times today, and you see it in businesses all over, and <laughs> see it in politics, and you certainly see it in our business in football because we're so public, and everyone, you know, the media, and you guys, you guys have certainly done a a, a very good job of, of of presenting what's going on. But sometimes there's, you know, rather than solving the problem and correcting a mistake. We want to affix a blame and then just fire the guy, get someone new in there. Well, wait a minute, time out. Uh, you're right. That, that, that can, that can causes this, this not, it's, it's way too early for that. Way too early. You want to give someone a chance, let them develop. I think it's important that particular mistakes are graphically pointed out and things have to change. We want to see change. We want to see some things done a little bit differently. As I, as I mentioned in that protection scheme, you should be able to solve that. Um, I think that just to make that, oh, you know, let's jump in there, let's get a new guy. No, no, let, 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 let's give him a fair and honest chance, an opportunity, and to see what happens, how he how he develops, it, and let let him know that that's that we're gonna, you know, stick with him a little bit rather than uh, rather than just jump in there and try to try to replace it with someone else. But at the same time, we want to see some specific improvements. We want to see that. If that's demonstrated, then we're going to really give us give that guy an opportunity. With, with Sam Darnold, he's thrown seven interceptions now in the last two weeks. Uh, he's under siege. He, you know, he, he was sacked eight times uh, on Sunday against the Jaguars. He was hit thirteen times. You were with the Jets when they they had Mark Sanchez. You were there when they had Chad Pennington as a young quarterback. 
you know, in your mind, you know, what are the key things an organization has to do to let a young quarterback develop into what he's going to be? Uh, in other words, you know, if the, if the skill set is there, what can the organization do to support that and bring that out from him? Okay, that, those those are that's really a good, an interesting question. In both of those situations that you mentioned with uh, with 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 Chad Pennington and with Mark Sanchez, don't forget, take a look and go back and remember who those who the the offensive lines that we had in both instances. We had good offensive linemen. I mean, Kevin Mawai was the center when 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 Chad was the when Chad was the quarterback um, in both instances. And with with Mark, you know, that was an excellent offensive line. You know, Nick Ferguson, DeBrickishaw Ferguson, uh, Alan Fanica. I'm a Woody. I mean, th- this was really a good offensive line. We led the league in rushing with that group. I mean, that that's was very disturbing to me, to be honest. When I go back to that, was the the formula that we had with Mark as our quarterback, who was a manageable quarterback, manageable. In in my opinion, nothing more, nothing more. But he did a good, solid job. But everything else, we were really good at. And the next thing you know, we're we're playing in the AFC Championship game. You know, were we a great team? No, we weren't. But we were a good, solid team that could win. But the key is you've got to help your quarterback. I mean, Andrew Luck got killed with the Colts. And all of a sudden, they put together a heck of an offensive line. Now they're winning without him. I wonder why. Because they've got a really good line that can protect them and can run the ball and balance the defense out. That's what you have to do. You've got to give them some weapons. And that's what the Jets are, are certainly uh, short right now in that regard, but I think they can develop that. They'll get better, and it takes a little time, but uh, you can solve that problem quickly, but I think it starts up front. Those two quarterbacks that you mentioned at that time had the benefit of exceptionally good offensive line play. Yeah, I dug this stat out this this morning when I was I was doing my day after story for the Post, uh, my, my Jets Rewind column. The Jets have allowed 34 sacks this season through seven games for in 2009, that offensive line that you mentioned, which they led the league in rushing the entire 16 game regular season, they allowed 30 sacks. So just this line's already given up more sacks in seven games than that line did an entire season. It's just incredible. And I, I just, I feel bad for Sam right now because he's, he's getting messed up. His timing is messed up. He just doesn't look right. And I think a lot of it's because he's under siege. Um, before we before we let you go, Mike, I, I wanted I wanted to talk to you about special teams a little bit. Um, you know, my opinion, no one did it better than you. Watching you those years, I, it's funny the fans don't know how this works, but the media is allowed to watch practice during the season for thirty minutes. It's a thirty minute window in the beginning of practice, and a lot of what we see is special teams. That's what the special teams is at the beginning of practice. So I watched you coach a lot in practice more than any other coach probably. Uh, and, and you you were a master of the details. The way the kicking re- return game now is must must make you sad, really, uh, lack, for lack of a better word. Just, it doesn't exist that much anymore. Um, you know, h- how do you feel about the way special teams is, are being played right now, and especially the, the return game? It's gone. It, it's very disturbing to me. You know, I understand the motivation. I understand it because of, because of injury and things like that. They want to make sure that the game is being played on a, on a safer level. I got that. I, I get it. And a lot of the, the collision from the violence of the, the big run uh, in, in the kicking game, particularly on a, on a kickoff return, have been, have been basically eliminated. I, I think that's a mistake. I think they could have 
geared it a particular way to still to make it a very viable play and uh, and and and, be, and and have the safety involved. You can do that. It's gone and it's not coming back. It's just not. Uh, now that I'm retired, you know, my years with the Saints, I, I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But that part was very disturbing to me and very frustrating. In my entire NFL career, my 32-year career, uh, my first 30 years, not counting, not counting field goals and PATs, either way, either kicking them or returning them, not counting those plays, I averaged 22 plays a game, 22 plays a game. Uh, Last year with the New Orleans Saints, I had seven. Now, I'm not counting a touchback as a play. See, I'm just not counting right. that. I mean, I can run down. You know, I could, I could have taken my cane <laughs> and run down the field. You know, you can't. And, that's, uh, and, and to me, that's really a shame. I was watching games yesterday uh, from down here in Florida, my home, and I watched the Saints, and I, I, watched, I, I, didn't, I watched a little bit of the Jets. It wasn't actually on right where, where I was, and I didn't get a chance to see all of it. But I watched some. But I'm trying to think to myself, and I looked at highlights after the game, and I thought, well – I guess there's never been a, there's never a, there's, I'm not, I don't see one special teams highlight. I don't see any. I used to see them every week or, you know, you never watched a game when I was doing it. And I think I had a lot to do with helping the, to make this this way. The announcers always would talk about something that the special teams coach did. Their names are never mentioned. Nobody knows who they are. It's gone. It's not coming back. One of the things I'm going to do now that I'm retired and I've already interviewed with a particular company, I'm going to write a book. I'm really, I'm really going to spend some time. I'm going to write a book for the NFL from the bottom up. And I'm going to talk about what I saw and how I saw it and the great stories that I have to tell and, and the part of the game that I loved and these young kids that contributed so viably. And now all of a sudden, we don't see any, almost none of it, almost none. And it, it's really, it's, uh, it, it's sad's a good word. It, it's a good description of how I feel. Um, you mentioned Chad Pennington. I'll give you a statistic people don't know too much about Chad. When I was there with him, he played on the shortest field in the NFL. Wow. Our starting field position would lead the league every year. He played on the shortest field. Now, now he had a lot of things that helped him, but I think that probably also helped. That probably also helped his career, the fact that he could come out every week and, and have good starting field position almost entirely uh, and, and led the league in that, in that category. So, you bring up a really good question, and uh, wow, you'll get me started. You, 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 you'll be here for three days because this one, cause this one, this one, this one gets me going because it's very, very. I love to see how everyone had an opportunity to contribute. Yeah, no, I mean, special teams is the ultimate. Fifty-three guys, you know, forty-six on game day contributing to the to the game, and they've taken that away somewhat. And then with you, you know, I. Th- but the testament to what you were doing was just how you had so many different returners that had success and that just spoke to the scheme and how good the scheme was, whether Brad Smith was back there or Leon Washington or Justin Miller, or Joe McKnight, Antonio Cromartie. You, you used, you know, there were so many different guys that, that you went through. And I just named you. I'll give you exactly to interrupt you one quick second. My 12 years with the New York jets. I'm extremely proud of this. We had nine different guys that led the national football league in returns. Wow. Yeah, my so, twelve. Nobody, I mean, nobody will touch team. that record. I think it helped the New York Jets be a competitive football team every single week. I, 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 for, I will always believe that. I'm very proud of it, and it's one of the reasons I love the time that I had with the Jets. What, um, what? If, if one last question for you, just what, um, when you look back on those runs in 2009, 2010, you know, what stands out to you the most about those runs uh, to the AFC Championship games? We, it was. Uh, 
the fact that that we were such a we were a very physical football team. I mean, I, I really liked that, and and we had really good guys. I mean, it was a great locker room. Uh, the guys were just good guys. They were good people. You know, we didn't have the the problems off the field that you see. We had this good group of people that were very accountable, and our our, our guys up front were very physical. The practices were were, were extremely physical. I mean, guy, we we could bang you around. We weren't the you know we weren't the sexiest team, but we could knock the heck out of you. I mean, you, you better look out when you played the Jets. People didn't want to play us, and we were extremely physical. And it's interesting, I saw that same kind of guy when I went to the Saints. Just a good, 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 solid guys that worked hard in practice. Yeah, and we had Drew Brees, a great leader, at quarterback, and, and I know that makes a big difference. But, you know, the Saints turned around just won five games without him. They, they have good people that really figured it out and coaches that stayed on top of things. Um, John Gruden came to visit us one time when he was working for uh, doing his television career. And he told me, he and I actually are good friends, but he told me at one time that the best NFL coaching staff he had ever seen was that group that we had, top to bottom. He told me it was the best he had ever seen. That's a pretty, that's quite a compliment. But you take a look at some of the guys we had, you know, Anthony Lynn, Bill Callahan, their head coaches now, Mike Pettin's doing, still doing a great job on defense. You know, myself and Ben Cotweek is Mike, my, my assistant, he's a coordinator now. You know, it was a good group of guys that really worked together well and we had that type of team that, that could contribute. And so we could beat you in a lot of ways. I mean, I can remember I used to, you know, as good as they are, and I have such great respect for them, but I used to love to play New England. I used to love to play them because I knew they'd be very conservative going against me because Bill Belichick was not going to let the, the special teams beat him. He wasn't going to try to go out and have that part of the game win for him. So he played conservatively. I used to, I used to drive him crazy. I love playing them. I remember they, they'd score, and I used to think, yeah, well, you scored, but now you've got to kick off to Leon. You know, good luck. Right. Cause here, cause here we're coming. And I, and I knew it worked. I used to do things with the punt team and put guys in motion, and he'd be over there yelling safe. I could watch him doing it. I was only doing it because I didn't have a good punter. <laughs> I was doing it. I didn't have anybody that could punt. If I'd had Tom Morstead, the guy that I had down at, my, down at the Saints for those years, please, we just set records, could never be touched. But – it was that type of football team, and that's the part that, that when you were a part of it, it was so much – it was so exciting and so much fun to be, to be a part of. Uh, did, did it have a great quarterback? No. But Mark did a good enough job to keep us going. Was he the reason? No. But he contributed viably, and I think that's, that's what made that group such a, a, such a great part, such a great, uh, such a great time to be a part of. All right, Mike. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time for us uh, today to talk Jets and your career. Uh, I really appreciate it. You're one of the greats. Uh, always love talking to you. Uh, so I, I hope you hope we talk to you again. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll, we'll talk to you down the road. Okay, Brian. Good luck with all this. I think it's a great idea. hope it works for you. <laughs> thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it all happen. We'll be bringing you new episodes every Monday and Thursday throughout the rest of the Jets season. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back on Thursday with the latest as we preview their matchup in Miami Sunday. We'll see you then.